worship this morning. Um, did you notice anything different at all in worship this morning at all? What, what, what I want to, I want to give you some description. What, what we're finding is freedom and liberty. And because we're getting to know the one who we're singing about, then actually we're singing it with more passion and we're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Isn't that right? So the more that you, like that song, I, this is how I fight my battles. You may look and think that I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by him. When you know that, it's not going to change how you're going to sing that. When you know that actually we're, we believe that God's got a breakthrough and you find some breakthrough or your faith is starting to rise that actually I can break through this difficult circumstance, are you going to sing that song differently? Yes. The more freedom that you find to demonstrate how you want to worship him, not that you've got to twirl around. And I would say to you, finding some, if you're sitting there and your, your arms are folded, normally whenever I'm hugging a cushion, there's a reason for it. And I don't mean to single anybody out for that. And I'm deliberately looking away. But if, if you're feeling that when you come to worship, you're, you're sort of huddling together, you know, just take a baby step. And even if it's just simply standing, I'm sure Russell won't mind me saying, but when he first came, he was like, who are these weird people? He may say, now, I know, I may know these weird people. Uh, everybody's normal till you get to know them. Isn't that right? Um, but he said that one week he was standing and then he realized he was kind of going about like this, going, what on earth is happening to me? We want you to have the liberty to worship your God. And the more that you get to know him and the more that you believe that he is who he says he is and does exactly what he says he'll do, I guarantee you that you're not going to be singing to the air. You're going to be singing more and more to him. Does that sound like a plan? Was it good? Did you enjoy yourselves? Good. Okay. Moving swiftly on. So we are currently working through this message series called Putting Off and Putting On. And I'm going to repeat myself, hopefully to the point that you're all like, we know this. Why do I do that? Because I want you to say, we know this. Have you found benefits so far? Because I certainly am. It's very interesting. And we are all going, what do I need to put off? What is it about the way that I'm thinking? And what do I need to put on? So let's go back over. So we need to realize what we're wearing. Then we remove what we're wearing, which is a place where, uh, well, nakedness from the point of view of really seeing, my goodness, I didn't realize that there was that scar underneath there. I didn't realize I had a bruise here. I didn't realize that my kneecap had been blown out three years ago and I'd done nothing about that. That's where we find really what's going on with us. Then the, the stage three is that we, renew, we get renewed in the spirit of our minds um, and who we are underneath and what we're believing then is, is uncovered and changed. And then the exciting bit where we redress spiritually with the appropriate clothes. We address the issues by redressing in Jesus Christ. And Romans thirteen fourteen, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's a, move, a movement from the false comfort of the familiar through the discomfort of transition onto, onto being clothed in Jesus Christ. So we don't want to be afraid of transition. We will, to a certain degree, always be in some measure of transition. But when you move house, you move house to live in a house. You don't move house to stay in the experience of moving house. Because why would you do that? Okay? We move from one place to another to arrive to a new place. And then specifically, uh, last week, we looked in depth at the fact that we have to do this. That often in our immaturity, we can be saying, oh, Jesus, please take my socks off. Would you take my socks off for me? Can't be bothered taking my socks off. Somebody take my socks off. He says, take your own socks off. 
So we have realized, hopefully, that we've got to do this, that we can blame other people, we can be victim to the things that have happened to us, which isn't going to work. Or we can go, I can change this with the presence of God in my life because Jesus died to fix it so that we could lay hold of our dominion in the life that we have. We looked at the old nature collection and I went through a fairly exhaustive list, although I don't think that it is exhaustive, of um, the old nature and the things that we struggle with. And then we looked at our go-to garments. What are the things that you pull on? That gray sweatshirt that you all know that I absolutely love. And if you see me wearing it all the time, I make no apology for it. I just noticed it this morning sitting beautifully draped over the hanger, ready for me to put on. It's a go-to garment. So what are the things that you have gone to uh, when life gets difficult? Is it harshness? Is it some sort of um, addiction? Is it, is it a fear? Is it, is it something that you do? What is it? Uh, we want to begin to uncover those things. And then your homework this week was? There we go. What is it that I need to do to get it off? So I was making the point last week that if you small children, we all hit the point as parents where we think, have I broken my child trying to get this jumper off their head? There's a way to get these garments off. Do you zip it off? Are there buttons? Is there Velcro? You know, are there poppers? What way is it that this needs to come off? So we need revelation from the Spirit. How on earth do I get this habit that I've been doing off? Because you're unique, aren't you? God knows you specifically, intimately, and deeply, and he knows how to help you to get those things off. All right? So this week, we're looking at getting changed. See what I did there? Come on. No. Getting changed, clothes, putting off, putting on, getting changed, and the penny drops or the ball hits the ground. So if you want to follow with me, we're going to read a fair chunk from Ephesians 4. We're going to look at 17 to 32 and then a couple of other verses after that. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regards to your former self to put off that way of life, to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and then to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Romans 12.2. Anybody know it off by heart yet? 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen? Okay, so we're going to start and look at, this is verse 17, the futility of their thinking. So I used to work for Venture Portraits. They're not there anymore. But one day I I was photographing this family and as, as normally happened, we would encourage people to bring along changes. So we had a changing room. So they came out of the changing room in some football shirts. I'm not into football, couldn't tell you what it was. But then a few days later, I had the, Colin, could you come down to the office? We've all had that. And as you're walking, you think, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? And my manager has said to me, look, I feel totally ridiculous asking you this. But these guys said that when they came out of the, um, when they came out of the changing rooms in their Celtic tops, I went, Celtic, I didn't know that. She said, the room totally and utterly changed. And they felt that you obviously had an issue with the fact that they supported Celtic. And I went, I, I, I couldn't tell you what team it was. She went, knew that, and that was it. So who was it had those glasses on? Was it present in me that I was somehow prejudiced and trying to exercise a measure of sectarianism to the people that I was photographing? No. Not at all. But they had those glasses on. The word futile in the Greek is mateos, which translates as unreal. They came in putting on to me something that was not present, but was present with them. It was not real, was not there. Just like the old person, I've used this before, who walks across the road, don't know why they do it, they don't look, they just walk across the road, either with their eyes closed or their heads down, because in their thinking they believe that the reality of the car is not going to hit them if they close their eyes. Or as a toddler, you play hide-and-seek with a one-and-a-half, two-year-old, three-year-old, normally you say, okay, we're going to do hide-and-seek, and they go... And you go on, they really do think that they're not there anymore because they closed their eyes. Now, it's all right when you're two. It's not all right when you're 72 and you're trying to cross the road. What will happen is the negative reality of that vehicle will actually hit the individual that's walking, thinking, if I keep my head down, it's not going to be there. We need to think about the futility of our thinking. It's not real. Last year, I was telling you, I figured out that when I'm tired, everything is awful. Everything Everything looks awful. I feel awful. Everything irritates me. The future's not bright. The future's not orange. It is horrible. So I find that I need to go to bed. It's not real. My job is self-control. Hold your carcass upstairs. Try not to speak to anybody. Say night-night. Be kind. And get yourself to bed. Because in the morning, when you're not tired anymore, it's all going to look completely different. Are you getting the picture? When Isaac was a little baby, from no age, whenever he was hungry, he screamed. I remember running the bottle under the top going, please God, by some miracle, would you cool this bottle down? As Isaac shouted, ah, and he just wanted it to stop. And then a few years ago, he came downstairs in the morning, was in awful form. I mean awful form. And I gave him his Weetabix, and afterwards, a few minutes later, he went, I'm really sorry for how I was there before. You know the Snickers ad? You know the Joan Collins bit where the, she's given off to everybody and the, the coach walks in, hands Dan a Snickers, and Dan becomes himself again because he's hungry. The futility of our thinking. The things that cloud our minds when we're stressed, how we get on, when we have these prejudices and things, or we expect to be rejected, or we expect things to happen to us, 
It's not real. We've got to stop wasting our time, energy, emotions, and our opportunities. Stop damaging our relationships, our bodies, and ourselves with futile thinking. It's just futile thinking. It is a waste of your time. Fearing what other people think of you. Fearing what will happen. Being afraid. I have this teacher of, well, I have money now, but what if I don't have enough money tomorrow? Being afraid of poverty is of no benefit at all. If you read your Bible, you find that you don't need to be afraid anyway. Hebrews 13, 5, I think it is. Check that one out. I sucked that one for a long time, and I believe it's absolutely true. Because God's with me, I don't need to be afraid. It's going to be all right. So let me give you some examples. Do you remember last week I was telling you about, I had that word monotonous about work? Futile thinking. I dwell on that. Everything's going to become monotonous. Is there a God? Futile thinking. Even the demons know that there's a God. You're wasting your time. Am I personally of value? Futile thinking. Am I starting to irritate you yet? I'm going to keep going. God will never forgive me. I cannot forgive that. Futile thinking. There's no hope. Futile thinking. I will never change. Well, you've control over that. But it's futile thinking. I can't do this. Futile thinking. This is just the way I am. Oh, buddy, you have bought a lie. Oh, it's just my personality. Nope. Futile thinking. Have you heard about uh, fear described as, uh, you break it down, false evidence appearing real? You heard that? Isn't that fantastic? Have you noticed how often if there's, the enemy tends to use uncertainty, right? So if you're ever waiting for test results and the time between having the test taken and the results coming is the worst time, is it not? Because your mind is absolutely sealed with all of the different things that could happen because you have no idea what's going on unless you go to him and go, do you know what? I'm just going to keep those thoughts at bay. You stay and you stick and you look at him. False evidence appearing real. Don't let the enemy take the jigsaw puzzles of everything that's going on and build a picture that is not there. He's very, very good at doing that. Let God be the one that says, that peace now, and that peace, and that peace, and all those little bits of peace make up a whole. So let him be the one that interprets your life to you. Don't let the enemy do that. We demolish arguments, every pretension, and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make obedience to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. So yesterday we went as a family to the Caracarido Bridge. Have you all been? Apparently in the 1970s it was just little, little, like it was just one handle, I think, and there was just a few planks. Oh, there was always two handles. Andrew remembers that. So uh, they've made it now that it's, well, it's really very safe. You can go across. But I never have been a fan of heights. I remember when I realized I can't keep saying that this is my fear and owning that. I, I, I went to Lisburn uh, swimming pool and threw myself off the top uh, diving board in the swimming pool. It wasn't pretty, but I took a stand over fear. Hey! So yesterday I'm walking down the steps and I'm the daddy. Who's your daddy? I'm the daddy in this scenario with my family. Taking Isaac down the steps and I'm thinking, not only have I got to get Isaac across, but I've got to get myself across. I have to do both. And I cannot let it out at all that this is a little bit of a struggle to me. So as I'm walking down the steps, it's like, 
You know that? You know that feeling? You're hitting up against a stronghold? Yeah, it's very real. And you're looking at other people around you and they're, they're not seem to be struggling. They're like, hey, look at us. And there's, there's all these Chinese tourists going, and I'm going, how can you, my, those people, what's going to happen? What is it going to be all right? So this fear of heights was getting me by the throat. So what did I do? I grabbed that by the throat. Took dominion over it. Because I'm not a child of fear. Now you may go, well, Colin, it might not be that wise to Kirk Reed Road Bridge, and you know that could, something could happen and it could all go horribly wrong. It's not about that. It's about the fact that actually we can do these things with Jesus Christ. And as I walked along, what I did was I went, nope, nope. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Just the Karakarid root bridge. It's a principle. It is a principle. And were my legs like jelly afterwards? And was my heart racing afterwards? Absolutely it was. I did it feeling afraid. But I'm not going to let fear tell me that you should just stand there and wave at your children as they go across and be a model of a parent who's going to yield to fear when I'm the one telling you and telling my children we don't need to do that. So I walked across. Now, what hit me yesterday about the Karakarid rope bridge was apparently it's been there for about 380 years. And the guys who initially created the bridge did it because there was a particular type of salmon that you could only find in that spot um, off that rock. That's why they did it, because of a particular type of salmon. Well, here we are in DCB. And there's bridges that we're asking you to cross. We've already crossed some of those bridges for you because we wanted to throw a hook into the water to catch the rarest of fish that we could find for Jesus Christ. They didn't know that when they were doing that, then they were just getting across the fish, they didn't know that it was going to become a visitor attraction. Now, we do not particularly want DCB to become a visitor attraction that people have to pay to come in. Ain't going to happen. But what we do want is we want to go after God and we want to catch those fish that we've been called to catch and God only knows where this goes. So we've got to make our own steps across these places. And as I'm talking, I know that for all of us, there are areas that we do not want to cross. We're standing there and we're watching other people go freely backwards and forwards and their buckets are full of fish and God's going, off you go. And you're like, I can't, well, this happened to me and this happened to me and God's going, I know it did. It's going to be all right and I'm with you. Do you know that the guy who was at the other end, I was holding Isaac's hand as we were going across and at moments I thought, this is... This is pretty darn difficult. When we went back the other way, the guy said, let him go on his own. He'll be much easier for him. So the father went on ahead, and then Isaac went on behind me, and he was able to do it. And we praised him, and we praised Anna, and said, you're doing great. The interesting thing to me was when Anna was going across, he kept saying, I'm so scared, I'm so afraid, I'm so scared, I'm so afraid, I can't do this. And I went, Anna, stop it, that's not going to help you. So watch what you're saying as you cross over. You need to get over to where God's taking you to. As we cross over this bridge of transition of this, putting off the old man, getting the spirit of our minds renewed and putting on the new man, watch what you're saying. You want to speak positive things. God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
I may be afraid. My legs may be wobbly, but they didn't know. My children know that, my da- that their daddy's brave. And I will tell them that my legs were wobbly and my heart was racing. And I will say to them, it will happen to you too. Your legs will be wobbly. Your heart will be racing. You'll not want to do it, but you'll know that your God is calling you across. And do you know what? If you put one foot in front of the other, you're going to get there. Amen? Can you do it? That was pathetic. Can you do it? You really can. Absolutely. Regaining sensitivity. Verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over. What I want to talk a little bit about is the erosion of the everyday. Um, You know that just... For all the parents among us, you can wake up bright and fresh and early and within half an hour you're like, why am I acting like I did yesterday? So frustrated and getting on with stuff. Or life happens in work and you walk in and it's wonderful and it's all easy and you're full of the joys of spring and three hours later you're, you're ready to choke somebody. Well, we all know that there's another way of doing this. Some negative comments that we've all heard, ah, you'll get used to it or they'll get used to it. Wait until they experience that. They'll change. Wait until life happens. Ugh, they'll grow out of that. If it's something about a child and we're seeing some fruit of a, like a wonderful fruit of the Spirit in their lives, we say, do you know about that child? They're really gentle. They're really this or they're really joyful. Oh, life will beat that out of them. Well, are these comments true? Well, the truth is that it can be and it depends on who you believe and what you believe. But it doesn't have to be like that. What I've discovered and what I know that you're discovering is that God's always after something within you and he's always after something good, even in the midst of all of the pain. John 10.10, can you quote it to me yet? The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have life in all its fullness. The negative comments that I just said are based on a life surrendered to a lie And there are also prophetic voices prophesying death and erosion and the dulling of sensitivity. It does not have to be that way. I was talking to somebody recently who went into a circumstance and came back from the circumstance saying, that was just what they were talking about and how they were getting on. It's just, I just did. Why? Because they're still sensitive. Because they stayed sensitive to the Spirit of God. God wants to give us back what's been lost. You and I are not rocks to be eroded, but we are anchored and should be anchored to the rock of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we don't have to be eroded by life. I find that I've been eroded by the Spirit and have had some rough edges knocked off and will continue to do so by life in a good way. There's always two trees, but it can also happen to the negative. But God didn't ransom us for us to just go, it's just life. Just, just the way it is. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. The enemy wants to numb us, medicate us, make us drowsy, have us fall asleep to the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give in, to give up, to let the old nature have, it, have its way, to back off, sit down, shut up, and let me tell you how this goes. Whereas the Holy Spirit, he comes to release us to feel again, to free us from what has made us drowsy and insensitive, and to wake us up from our sleep and make us sensitive to him. Two agendas happening all the time. Two trees in the garden. You choose. 
I've uh, had the privilege of ministering to lots and lots of people. Um, and one thing I'm really passionate about, you'll be glad to hear, is emotional wholeness and what God can do with dealing with our past so that we can change in our present and our futures can be what he always dreamed they could be. But one of the things that I find is that God will often bring someone back to the place where they were hurt. You will hear people howl and wail, and I've had that t-shirt, and I know many of us had, of we feel the pain of what we never let ourselves feel the pain of. See, the pain is part of the road. It's not the destination, but it has a purpose, and that purpose can only be worked out when we yield to it, holding the hand of Jesus Christ. We cannot run away from feeling the pain that life brings at times, and I know that we want to. But if we do, we will slowly be destroyed. We will slowly have our lives stolen from us, and it will eventually kill us, which sounds an awful lot like the enemy. When we run away from pain and choose to numb ourselves, we also numb ourselves from joy, hope, peace, and all of those wonderful things. Now, I want you to hear me. I know My goodness, there are things that we never, ever want to have to feel. There's places that we've been that you don't want to talk about. There's things that you have shut off because it just hurt too much. The only way that you're ever going to find liberty and freedom is to square up to those things, but you're not doing it on your own anymore. You don't have to do this on your own. (laughs) Please hear me. This stuff hurts. Life hurts. It's difficult. You don't need me to tell you that. People abandon you. People say things about you. People wound you. We've had those horrible moments. We've had those terrible diagnoses. We've had children die and people die and horrible things go on. But we are not defined by the pain. We are defined by the one who calls us on, which is Jesus Christ. He's not scared of pain. We don't need to be scared of it either. And you're in a community that is beginning and really beginning to be known for his love. So we're here, but he's here. So if he brings you at some point in ministry when you come to the front, brings you back to a place that you don't want to go to, be brave. It's not easy, but be brave and stand there and feel the pain that you need to feel because you've got to get it out and get it on. When you're mourning for something, you've got to mourn. You can't get out of that. When somebody dies, you can't just go, oh, it'll be all right, they're with the Lord now, off we go. Miss them. Miss the way they looked at you. They miss the way they held you. Miss the things that they said to you. And rightly so. But you do it holding his hand. So we want to regain sensitivity. He comes, as in the Holy Spirit, he comes to give us back to ourselves by connecting us to himself. We have dominion in Jesus Christ. We get to choose which tree we eat from. We get to choose which thoughts we let in. We get to choose the truth and reject the lies. We are not victims, but we are victors through Jesus Christ. How do we regain this sensitivity? How on earth do we regain this sensitivity? Will you regain it by connecting to heaven? 2 Corinthians three sixteen to 18 Surely you should be able to quote this one nearly too. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If you're finding change in your life, it's because you keep coming here. 
If you don't know why you're finding, I don't want to do that anymore, but I do want to do this, it's because you keep coming here, not because God is isolated to Mossley Pavilion on a Sunday morning, but because you come with the intention of meeting with the Spirit of God. Am I right? You cannot do that and not be changed. You cannot. And the more that you do, the more you'll see the veils that are in front of your eyes and you want to get them out of the way because you want to see him. So keep going. We uncover ourselves in the presence of God and we prioritize his presence. How do you get a tan? Stay out in the sun or go to the sun beds. I'd rather go away. That wouldn't be good. Stay out in the sun. There was one night at small group, I walked into Ruth's house and went, oh, oh my, Ruth, how many plugins do you have going on in this house? She's like, just don't want the house to smell too bad. I think you've achieved that, Ruth. As it came round, and got my head fixed after hitting the ground after that. We all got used to the smell and I came home. Claire went, why do I smell a Glade plug-in? She smelled a Glade plug-in because I just spent two hours in a house that had about 43 of them on up to maximum. God love you, Ruth. So when we stay in the presence of God, we start to smell a whole lot like Jesus Christ. We start to look a whole lot like Jesus Christ and we start to act a whole lot like Jesus Christ and we regain our sensitivity. If you want to get it back, to get back what's been lost, you seek out what has been lost. Sensitivity to God is found by getting into his presence. Be brave. Please hear me. I know that it hurts. It's all right because Jesus is here. Okay. The last thing I want to say is um, verse 22 about the deceitful desires. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. But it felt right. Oh, but that's how I feel. I can't help how I feel. Oh, really? But why would God make me feel like that? But I really wanted to do it. (coughs) Ever said those things? But it's just my personality. But you don't know that this happened. But you don't know that. But I feel, I just feel like, I feel like that. But I feel like, like I felt like that. But I feel, but I feel, but I feel, but I feel. Tell me does, what was it? I can never remember that. Feelings plus the thought attached to it equal reality. Because you feel it, does that make it so? If I walk into a room and feel like every one of you is rejecting me, does that mean it's real? Because that couple that came in that day and they put their Celtic tops on and felt like I was being prejudiced towards them, was that real? It was real for them. It wasn't real for me. The object that they were accusing wasn't feeling it. Your desires from the old self are lying to you. They're lying to you. I often feel like I don't want to go to work and I'd like to stay in my bed. (laughs) What did you say? Just do it. What will happen? Would I have a job? How many of you do that? Do you wake up? How many of us here wake up in the mornings and think, I don't want to go to work? Okay, sad indictment of our times. (laughs) That can change too with Jesus. How many of you go with that and don't bother going to work? Let it mark you, people. It's exactly the same thing with this stuff. Well, I just felt that. Well, they just really wanted it. But I just, you know, she looked at me that way. Oh, well, you think, well, it was, well, the channel, well, it came on to, well, I just really wanted to eat that. Well, I just really felt like it. Just felt, I just wanted to. 
But somehow, when we step into work, when we feel that we don't want to get up for work, we still get up for work. So why on earth are you living in such a compromise in those areas where you just gratify those desires that are deceitful and they're lying to you? Why do we do that? Feeling and desirings are not the standards by which we live if we are living for Jesus Christ. Can I get you guys to come up? The problem with deception is that you don't know that you're deceived. So you're going to have to listen to the voice that's outside of yourself to be able to see it. God, if you read Ephesians, uh, is it, uh, it's definitely in Ephesians 4, five, is it 5, where he talks about God uses the leadership in the church, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists to bring God's people to a place of fullness and maturity. So please, you know that I would come to you and say it very gently, but if we come to you and say, you might want to look at that, and you're going, I don't see that, I don't see that. Then think about it. If you know us at all and you think, would he come just to accuse me for doing this? Now, please, if you felt that way, we want to have a conversation. But what if, what is that I'm able to see something or we're able to see something in you that you don't see in yourself? Could you go, all right, maybe that might be true. Because when you're deceived, you don't know that you're deceived. The old nature is not telling the truth. It's deceitful and it's lying to us. Genesis 3, 5, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die for God knows in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. But I just keep wanting to do it. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. Why are you giving in to that? But it won't go away. But I've tried to stop it. It won't go away. Did you think this was going to be easy? I think we did. I certainly did. Why was it when we come to stuff of the Spirit, we go, it should be easy? I held that thought captive three times and it didn't go away. What do you think you're wrestling with, a feather? You've got some ancient creatures that want to take you down. Got to wrestle, got to fight. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will. He will tell you that he won't, but he absolutely will. So if you want to deal with this stuff, you need to get focused and you need to get serious about it. The enemy will tempt you. He'll want you to give in. He'll want you to yield to it. He'll want you to agree to the lie that's present in the temptation. And then he'll accuse you for what you did. Have you found that? Come on, why don't you try that? Go on, come on, Russell, come on. Come on, why don't you do this, do this? And then you do it and he goes, see, you couldn't be a Christian. Would you like to stand with me? Maybe you wouldn't after that. We are not a people who back off, sit down and shut up, are we? If we are, that's okay, but it's not okay anymore. We don't want to give in to the things that we feel or the desires that really are going to corrupt us. We don't want to do that. And your homework this week is, ask the Holy Spirit, what lies am I believing? What is it when we take off this stuff, what's exposed is who we are and we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So what are the lies that we've been making agreement with and believing? So as always, you don't need me to tell you, but we always call you to response. So here's some questions for you. Have you realized that you're wasting your energy in futile thinking? That you're exhausting yourself thinking about stuff that's simply not real? Do you need to or want to regain sensitivity to God and what He loves and who He is? 
And finally, do you want to not give in to deceitful desires that are damaging you and those around you? If you can answer yes and amen to any of those questions, please come and join me now. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for the freedom and the liberty that we're experiencing as a church before you. But we don't want to stop there. So Holy Spirit, increase your presence among us. Come now.